Well, I want to invite you to open your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Today we're continuing to talk about Oikos evangelism. Last Sunday today, just a two-week series. Jacqueline and Manisa and the family are, are now in uh, Italy. And in fact, uh, today they left the kids with some friends and took Monisa for a relaxing day down to Venice before she flies home later this week. And uh, I've already noticed uh, some charge cards, you know, uh, some charges on the MasterCard popped up on my phone and from Venice. So uh, <laughs> it's amazing what technology does, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what she bought me, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> but earlier this week, the surgeon released her, and they traveled from Germany to their home in northern Italy. It's about a 10-hour drive. And so they uh, broke in into two days, five hours each, and, and spent one night in a resort on the Germany-Austria uh, border. When you travel that route, you go through the Alps um, in uh, Austria, some very, very beautiful scenery. They had a, had a good trip. And uh, when they made it safely to, to Italy, and I learned about that, then I got on my phone and sent some messages to several family members to let them know they'd made the trip through the apps and everything was okay because when something happens and people do things that you, know, you care about and it's important to you, you, you tell people. That's just what comes naturally, right? We want to let people know about it. And uh, we've had people who've had uh, new babies and grandbabies in the last week or so and they let people know about it. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's email. The phones are working. We have uh, you know, prayer needs. And it's beautiful how the prayer chains around here work, especially in some of the Sunday school classes. We just tell people when there's a need, when something we care about, something we're excited about, something we're happy about, something that's fun, something we're all enthused about, something we love. We just, we just tell people. So I want to ask you a question. Who did you talk to this past week about church? Who did you talk to this past week about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to you and what he can do in their lives? I mean, can you think of any news that's more exciting than the fact that Jesus Christ loves us, wants a relationship with us, forgives us, saves us, gives us a home in heaven, changes our lives? But you see, we get so familiar with it. We just get so used to all of that. We start taking it for granted and we stop talking about it. We talk about football, we talk about family, we talk about sports, we talk about this, we talk about that. Who did you talk to this week about church? Who did did you talk to this past week about the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, have have you told the members of your family your story, your faith journey? Do they know the details of how and when you became a Christian and the difference Jesus made in your life? And the difference he continues to make in your life? Yesterday I got an email from a member of our church who's changing jobs, been praying for some co-workers, some of whom are not followers of Christ, felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to write her story. Out on the wall in the lobby are dozens and dozens of stories, people in this church who had an encounter with Christ and he's changed them. And so there are stories on that wall and others have been written that are not on the wall. And so she felt led to write her story. She wrote that and and then after last week, she felt compelled to uh, share her story with some of those co-workers. So what she did was she wrote a personal note to four of them and included her story and, and gave it to them. And she's going to be doing that with two more, she said, this, this coming week. And in the note to them, she said she hopes this would encourage them. Let me ask you, how many, how many of you are grandparents? Hmm, raise your hand. 
You don't know how good being a grandparent is until you are one, right? It's really good. But let me ask you, grandparents, how, how many of your grandchildren that are old enough to have a conversation have you sat down with one-on-one and shared with them your personal faith journey? If, if you died this week and we had your funeral here in this worship center, and your family came and friends came and brothers and sisters from church came and your grandkids came, if you died today and they came to your funeral, would they know more than, well, granddad or grandmom was a, a good church member and they were a Christian, would they know when and how you became a follower of Christ? Have you ever shared it with them? How many of you have shared your faith journey with your siblings? Your personal encounter with Jesus Christ with your cousins? Your good friends, the neighbors you talk to when you're out walking? person who sits in the cubicle next to you every day at work? person who sits beside you every Friday night at the high school ball game. We've talked about our grandchildren. We've talked about the football games. We've talked about other events. When do you talk about church? When do you talk about Christ? See, that's what oikos evangelism is. It's, it's sharing the story of Christ and the difference he makes in people's lives with those that we already know, those we already care about. Because I'm a genuine believer that the average person will never talk to a stranger about Jesus if you won't talk to the people you love about Jesus. And so John chapter 1 Jesus is beginning his public ministry and he's been baptized by John the Baptist. And you'll remember John had his own disciples that he was mentoring. And one day standing beside two of his own disciples, John points out Jesus. And those two disciples spend the day with Jesus. One of them is a man named Andrew who then became a disciple of Jesus, one of the 12 disciples of Christ. And we pick that story up in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. Verse 40. One of the two, one of the two disciples of John the Baptist, who had heard John speak when John pointed out Jesus and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, notice what he did after he became a follower of Jesus in verse 41. He, Andrew, found first his own brother, Simon or Peter, Simon Peter. So he found first his own brother and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew word for the Messiah. Christ, the New Testament Greek word Christos for the anointed one, the Messiah. Verse 42, and here's what Andrew did. He found his brother Simon Peter, and in verse 42, he brought him where? To Jesus. 
Now, there's no way to read the New Testament and not understand that it makes very clear that you and I are to be talking to the people we already know about the Lord we know. Family, friends, and associates, those that we already know and have conversations with. That's exactly what Andrew did here. He went to his brother, Simon Peter, and said, I met him, I found him, and I want you to meet him. I want you to know him. Come with me. He brought him to Christ. What would eventually become of Peter, Simon Peter? Yeah, he became a follower of Christ, but guess what? He became one of that inner circle. Remember Jesus among the 12 had three that were even closer Peter, James, and John that had some unique experiences that the other nine did not have. And when the the day of of Pentecost arrived, the Holy Spirit came and thousands were saved and baptized. Who, Who was the person that stood on behalf of the others and declared the gospel to that crowd? It was Peter. Wrote two books of the New Testament. See, here's the thing. You and I do not see the potential in other people that God knows is there. It might just surprise you what kind of disciple of Jesus Christ that relative you're afraid to talk to could actually be if you would simply talk to him. Because there's there's hidden potential in in, in people that that once uncovered and placed in the hands of a gracious God, he's able to, to polish into something absolutely beautiful. Well, the next day in verse 43, Jesus purposed to go into Galilee. So he was going to travel. And he found Philip. So this is a a, a disciple, one of the twelve, that Jesus found on his own, so to speak. Jesus said to him, said to Philip, follow me. And Philip, in verse 44, was from Bethsaida, the same city where Andrew and his brother Simon Peter lived. And so Philip becomes this follower of Christ. And what does he do? Look at verse 45. Now Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. So Philip went and found Nathanael, a friend. Somebody he already knew. I mean, it was just instinctive. As soon as he became a follower of Christ, it was just instinctive to go talk to somebody he already had a relationship with and say, let me tell you what's happened to me. And I want, it, I want it to happen to you. And so I'll go back to what I asked a few moments ago. This past week, who did you talk to about church? Who did you talk to about Jesus Christ? Who did you invite to church? Who did you invite to Sunday school today? Now notice in both of these instances, what did they do? They just went to people they already knew, friend, brother, and they talked. That's what Oikos evangelism is. Last Sunday, I mentioned to you that researchers at Columbia University say the average person in America knows about 600 people, some more, some less, but on average we, we have some relationship with, some level of 
personal knowledge, personal connection with about 600 people. Some you know really well, some you know casually, some you've known a long time, some you've only gotten to know recently. I mentioned last Sunday that the Pew Research says that the average American user on Facebook has 245 friends, you know, friends, quote, unquote, friends on Facebook. And I asked you a question last Sunday. Of the people in your world that you know, the people who are part of your Oya Coast, the people you know already, how many of, the, of those do you, do you know for a fact what their spiritual reality is? Of, of the people you know, how many of them do you know for certain they have a relationship with Christ? If they died today, they would go to heaven, not hell. How many of those do you know? And then the ones you can't say with absolute certainty, I know those are people you need to be praying for and asking God to direct you and burden your heart for the ones that he wants to use you to impact with the grace of Jesus Christ. Because not everybody we know is a follower of Christ. And here's, here's the mistake we often make in church. And, and I'll, I'll just can I just be honest with you? The longer we're in church, the more likely we are to make this mistake. Here's the mistake. We just assume they're all right. We, we just assume they know Christ. We just assume they're We just assume. Folks, people are going to hell because Christians make assumptions. And that's a mistake, a tragic one, with eternal consequences. Here's what I want you to be doing this morning. I want you to be thinking about someone or maybe more than one someone that God's putting on your heart and in your mind because he wants you to love that person, serve that person, pray for that person, be a witness to that person, share your story with that person, share the gospel with that person, invite that person to church. And I want to encourage you to think about inviting that person or persons to church the next three Sundays. Because I'm going to preach a sermon series called Choices. Looking each Sunday at a story Jesus told. That illustrates the importance of the choices we make about how to live. How to find God. How we approach death and eternity. Because there's a choice involved. And people are making choices whether they're conscious of it or not. And we're going to talk about the wrong choice and the right choice each Sunday. And if you want to know what's a good service to invite someone to church when when the message is going to answer questions they have. You know, preacher's not going to be preaching about tithing, for instance. It's these next three Sundays. Golden opportunity golden opportunity for you to invite to church people who need a relationship with Christ, people who are spiritually seeking, people who have questions, people who are lost, people who are backslidden, because that's what we're going to be focused on the next three Sundays. Now, if you will, turn quickly in your New Testaments to the book of Acts chapter 10. We're jumping ahead a few years. Jesus has been crucified, buried, then resurrected from the dead, ascended to the Father in heaven. church is growing in Palestine and beginning to spread out to other areas and other ethnicities. 
And in chapter 10, we pick up the story in, in verse 1. Let's look at the first eight verses. The Bible says there was a man at Caesarea, a coastal city on the Mediterranean. There was, a, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. Now, what does that tell us? He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. The early followers of Christ were Jews who became believers in Jesus as the Messiah. Today we would call them Messianic Jews, so to speak. Now the gospel is beginning to branch outside of that Jewish environment. Here's an Italian. He's a, he's a Roman. He's a Gentile. And he's a soldier. Soldier of some rank. And in verse 2, he's a devout man, a very religious man. You do understand that in biblical times there were many Gentiles who worshipped the God of Israel. They were called God-fearers. He's one of those. A devout man, one who feared God with all his household. He and his family, he had trained his family well. And he gave many alms to Jewish people. He was very generous in giving to benevolence and so on. And he prayed to God continually. So think about this. He's a Gentile. He worships the God of Israel. He's a generous man financially. And he prays a lot. A good, godly man. Verse 3, about the ninth hour, that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, this is Cornelius, Cornelius said, What is it, Lord? And he, the angel, said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa, some of your soldiers, some of your uh, assistants. Send them to Joppa, another city. And send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. Now, jump back years earlier. When Andrew first becomes a follower of Jesus, who is the first person Andrew goes and tells? Simon Peter, who then becomes a follower of Christ. Now you jump ahead many years, and this is the first story where the gospel, after the ascension of Jesus, spreads beyond Judaism to Gentiles. And look who's involved. Send for this man named Simon Peter. Verse 6, he's staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who, had, who was speaking to Cornelius had left, Cornelius summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier. Cornelius was already being an influence on those around him, wasn't he? A devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them. So if you want to be an effective witness for Christ, don't keep it a secret that you love Jesus, that you go to church, that you had a good experience at church, that God answered a prayer, that somebody at the church blessed your life. Talk about what God's doing in your life by his spirit, through his people. Don't, don't keep that to yourself. It's one of the ways you witness is talking about the good things God does for you. And so after he had explained everything to them, in verse 8, he sent them to Joppa. Now, so they're, they're traveling to where Peter is staying. 
And the day they show up, Peter goes up to the roof of the house he's staying in at noon, lunchtime, and he falls asleep. Falls into a trance and he has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheep being lowered from heaven, filled with all kinds of animals. Now, many of you know that devout Jews have very strict food laws, things you eat and things you don't eat. And in that sheet were animals that a devout Jew was not supposed to eat, unclean. And Peter hears the Lord commanding him, get up and eat. No, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. I won't do it. Sheet comes down a second time. Get up and eat. No, Lord. Sheet comes down a third time. Uh Uh-oh, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? See, folks, listen to me. God's going to do what it takes to get through to his hard-headed children. And sometimes you and me are hard-headed, right? Sometimes we're indifferent. Sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we make excuses. And there are some in this room right now God's working overtime to get through to. Peter got up and he was wondering about, well, what does this vision mean? And about the time he was you know, getting out of that daze and thinking about all this stuff, these three men that Cornelius had sent to find him knocked on the front door. And all of a sudden, Peter, as he talks with them, I get it. They tell him about Cornelius and his vision, spend the night with Peter, and then the following day they travel to Caesarea where where, uh, Cornelius is waiting. And so we pick the story up in chapter 10 at verse 23 when they, they show up now. So Peter and some other believers from Joppa and these three soldiers from Cornelius, they all arrive back in Caesarea at Cornelius' house. On the next day he got up. Peter did, and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, notice this in verse 24. Cornelius was waiting for them, but he wasn't alone. Notice who was with him. He had called together who? His relatives and who? Close friends. So Cornelius had gotten together his extended family and his friends. Oikos, evangelism, your household, your extended relations, extended connections, your business associates, your, the people you already know. Cornelius got them together in his house because he wanted them to hear what he was going to hear from this man named Peter that God had told him to send for. So Peter comes in and he shares Jesus with them and they become believers. And at the end of chapter 10... They are baptized. So again, who did you talk to this week about church? About Jesus. During all of the Christmas gatherings, all the Christmas socials and all the Christmas parties, all the Christmas festivities and all the Christmas activities we just enjoyed. Who did you talk to in all of that that was lost, that didn't go to church, about the reason for the season? 
So it's easy for us to get together with other Christians and complain about what's going on in our culture and what's happening in Hollywood and how everything's going to you know where. That doesn't change the world. That doesn't change anybody's life. We just get together and have a fuss time. What does that do? What does that accomplish? You can't be salt without getting on the meat. You can't be light without being in a dark room. You can't be a witness if you never talk to lost people. So who did you invite to your house? Who in your Oyakos you invited to your house for any of these celebrations were people who did not know Christ? And who are you going to invite to church next Sunday? Who's that name or names that God is working hard to put on your mind and heart today? And brothers and sisters, can I lovingly and tenderly say, if there are no names coming to your heart and your mind, that is the biggest sign of all that you need to be on your face before God, asking him to soften your heart and make it pliable to his purpose. Because if there's no name on your heart and mind that's lost, not even a a trickle of a name, something's wrong. teach a class on Wednesday nights about Oikos evangelism. If you want to know how to bring God's grace into the lives of people you know, you're welcome to join us at 6.30. And as I said a moment ago, the next three Sundays, these sermons on choices, great services for you to invite people to. I hope you will. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray right now. God, who's that one name, that one person? Or for some of you, it's two or three people. That's okay. Who are they? Who are they? I want you to pray about it. Just listen to the Lord and let Him him impress that on you right now. 